Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. What's in tomorrow's budget for you? Well, the government is set to make a big cut to childcare fees, possibly by as much as a quarter for some parents. There's also been agreement on a free school book scheme for all primary level students. These responses to help families as the cost of living crisis deepens. The cost of living is It's just... not like one thing is crippling everything. It's like everything is going it's at the same time. It's just becoming overwhelming, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. In world news tonight, Italy elects a far-right government in a political earthquake. And sterling slumps on world money markets after a controversial UK budget. We have analysis and reaction to all the day's main events. Join the conversation online with your comments and your questions on the hashtag TonightVMTV. Senior government figures have been locked in talks to agree the last draft of the budget that will feature one-off immediate measures in response to the cost of living emergency and more longer term responses that will be rolled out throughout next year. Well, the latest elements to emerge today had to do with cuts to childcare costs, free school books for primary school children and just how much welfare payments will increase by each week, such as job seekers allowance and the state pension. We spoke to one working family in the Midlands who are feeling the pressure of this cost of living crisis. Right now we should have our own house, but we don't like, you know, we have two kids and we're renting at the moment. And The only thing that's comforting to know is that everyone is in the same boat. Like when everyone is feeling like that, like it's not good. Like yeah, it's not the good. government are failing. You're still trying to save like, but then like obviously like you find that you're, you're dipping into your savings all the time because like bills are like, because everything is going up now, you're not expecting it. Like, and now it's just kind of like, oh God, like, like dip in again, dip in again. Like that's, it's just, it's just like, a, as you said, a vicious circle. Like, Kevin and Charlene Power there speaking to our news correspondent, Zara King. Well, I'm joined now to discuss all of this by Fine Gael TD, Emer Higgins, Deputy Roisin Shortall of the Social Democrats, Executive Editor of the Irish Daily Mail, John Lee, Suzanne Connolly, Chief Executive of Charity Bernardo's, and parenting journalist Jen Hogan. Fun, full panel tonight, you're all very welcome along to the programme. Um, I'm going to go to you first, John, because we know there have been these high-level talks trying to pin down all these last details ahead of the budget announcement tomorrow. There's a lot out already. Um, what can you tell us? Has everything been agreed now at this late stage? Yeah, you would assume so. They'll always offer the rider that they've not, but um, certainly uh, some big hitters have gotten their, out, their, their word out very strategically. I think um, Norma Foley's people played a brilliant game in, um, she kind of, they seem to kind of pick an eye of the storm moment to put out the 
the free school books. I think you don't spend a long time, 20 years in Kerry politics without learning a few things. And that might be something that really associate her with a very headline grabbing uh, move. That's free school books for, for primary school children. It, it, it is, has captured the headlines over a couple of days. Um, some in Leinster House are calling this not the cost of living budget. And I know it's a very serious matter we're dealing with here, but it is politics. It's very much the reshuffle budget. There are 80 days to the reshuffle. Mm -hmm. So um, getting, getting your speak in quick has been, has been helpful. Heather Humphreys already could be deemed a winner. She has gotten some significant, Heather, um, some significant social welfare increases for people. It seems to be 12, 12 euros yeah, across the board. Yeah, tell us about that because there was... There was disagreement. I've got my glasses at hand here because there's yeah, so much detail. There was, so. it, was, it was initially, I suppose, this 20 euro has been put out there by many groups. We're going to hear from Bernardo shortly on that because that's what people would say would be in line with the cost of living. I heard Sean Healy say back that. back then to between 10 and 15. 12 euro seems to be the figure now that they've settled on. I had heard um, Sean Healy say that uh, recently. Um, the leaking is, 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 is I, I, don't, I don't know, it's not, if you analyse what, ministers say over a period of time, you can very much read into them what is going to happen. If you listen to Heather Humphreys on the radio yesterday, she made it very clear that there wasn't going to be a 20 euro in, uh, increase in budget payments, in um, welfare payments. She had been, it had been, there had been coverage that she'd been seeking 15 euros. There'd also been uh, stories to say that the Department of Public Expenditure was only willing to give 750. So she could be deemed a winner here in getting 12 euros across the board. There's also another very eye-catching um, move there that there'll be a double uh, child benefit payment sometime before mm -hmm. Christmas. That'll be very uh, welcome in a lot of homes. So she could be deemed a winner there as yeah, well. Yeah, so I mean, we have, and we will go through, we will go through those various matters. Actually, interesting, these sort of one-off payments that seem to be all being announced, um, the, 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 those being the big announcements, they are temporary moves in this crisis um, time that we're facing. But just to get reaction from you, Suzanne, to this 12 uh, euro increase on, on the welfare payments, what would Bernardo's think of that? Because you had lobbied for an increase of 20 euro for people. We would have liked 20 euro for people because it's what was needed. I mean, we did a cost of living survey a couple of months ago and people are really struggling out there to make ends meet. I mean, they're choosing between heating and food. And this is, this is across the board. I mean, families who'd never had to come to Bernardo's were coming to Bernardo's for help with things like, you know, fuel vouchers. So this is, this is a disgrace, really. And that, that families in need weren't, weren't prioritised in, in terms... I mean, 20 euros would have made a difference as opposed to 12. Do you feel the government doesn't get it? I think there's elements of the government that probably doesn't really understand the reality for, for, for families. You know, the, the, the choices families are having to make. Tell I mean, us that, rea that reality, what, what people are, are saying to you in your services, Suzanne. Well, well, they're actually saying to us that they, they're worried about being able to feed their children or having to make choices about, as I was saying, about between, between heat and, and food. And also families are coming to Bernardo's and saying, can we wash our clothes in your washing machine so we don't have to pay you know, for that cost. You know, I mean, that's really, I mean, that's disgraceful in, in a society as, as wealthy, as wealthy as Ireland. Mm. I just want to get immediate government reaction to that. I suppose, Emer, you, you've heard what Suzanne has to say, that calling, if, should it be a 12 euro increase, a disgrace um, compared to what's actually required in this situation? Like, was there leeway to do more for families here? Well, we are doing more than just 12 euro. And I suppose I just should say, I, I know the phenomenal work 
Bernardos are doing. I met with Suzanne and her team in my area in Adamstown just last week. I, I know how valuable their services are and I think we need to invest more in them. But in terms of what the government is doing for families in that situation, it, it's, it's more than just the 12 euro, which is a significant increase. It's also an increase in fuel allowance. It's also an increase in once-off payments, um, an, an additional extra week on top of the bonus week. Um, the fuel allowance being extended, 500 euro for carers, um, an additional one-off grant. It's, it's a combination of long-term measures along with those shorter term, big hits, where you're getting a, a big sum, you know, the, the energy credit, where you're getting a big sum into your bank account mm. to help in the winter months when those electricity bills, when those gas bills, when those heating bills are at their highest, because that's when people need intervention. But the one-off payments, I suppose the argument might be made that they are indeed just that. They are one-off payments. And while they might be welcome for a month like November, what happens when we're into next year and people are still really feeling the pinch here. Yeah, and I suppose that's why we that's why we benefit from the fact that we have such a responsible government, that we're not emptying the purse and throwing every cent into this budget, that we're going to have reserves. So is that if the international factors mean that this situation continues, that we're going to be able to invest again if we need to. Okay, a mini budget? Well, Emergency no, budget if required? No, what we have been doing, and we did it this year as well, is immediate interventions, where we have cost of living interventions if we need to do it, if the war continues if we have a situation where international factors keep this situation like this, then we will be able to reinvest. Uh, Roshan, what do you make of that response and the government approach in general when it comes to this budget? Because from the outset, I suppose, when you look at it, it looks like there's a lot of money going out. That is quite a spendy budget. Well, there is a lot of money there and uh, a lot of money needs to be spent because we are in very difficult circumstances. And, you know, we're, we're dealing with three crises here, really. There's the cost of living crisis. And, you know, before um, it, there was any question of war, um, we, we had a situation where it, Ireland was the second most expensive country in Europe to live. So there's an existing, you know, crisis in relation to the cost of living. We have an ongoing crisis in relation to housing. And certainly those people who are paying paying rent or who've taken out recent mortgages are paying a huge amount for their house for their accommodation and thirdly then there is the the current crisis the energy crisis which is already putting huge pressure on families and is likely to put even higher pressure. Do you believe now, this budget is adequate? No, I don't. I, th I think the key thing, given the scale of the crisis that people are, are facing uh, and also the fact that we started off, you know, over the last few years with a situation where there were high numbers of people living in poverty, especially families dependent on welfare and, uh, and, and with young children. And the idea of €12 Euro a week across the board increase is wholly inadequate. Uh, last Last year there was a five euro increase and that was the first increase in welfare payments for three years. So like this is not, this is not fair. What about what what the argument and, that Emer and others would make that there's all these other one-off payments, there's a sort of a doubling of, of benefits well, um, well, for, look, for one week again at Christmas. problems with low, low incomes. That's in relation to people dependent on welfare but also people who are working in low paid jobs and about one in five workers is on the minimum wage Which is in low paid in employment. Now Look, everybody is feeling the pressure at the moment, but some households can absorb that pressure, the high energy bills, uh, the high cost of mm -hmm. housing and so on. Some people can absorb that much better than others. And this shouldn't be about a scattergun approach, you know, spreading everything thinly. We need to target uh, the available resources at those families who are most in need. And I'm very concerned with the news that's coming out tonight because it's quite clear that the government hasn't got that message. They were getting Claire. that 
advice from the ESRI, oh, from the central bank, from, from you know many different agencies, so what, from IFAC. What the and, and they're are saying, doing. excuse me, just a moment. They're saying that you must target. Uh, those All resources right. and support so and, 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 and people who are and, most and a greater, in need. And a they don't seem to be doing that. Payment. Um, I think we, we've heard your response to that. And well, you're well just... not, not to that particular point. So I suppose what Social Democrats are, ha, have been putting forward is €15 euro increase versus what the government is talking about, a €12 euro increase. So that extra €3 euro a week is about €150. Euro. We're putting more than that in because we're putting in the double bonuses. And that, ba that benefit is going to hit when okay. bills hit. So, so that's just, when just interventions that. are needed. That's when interventions are needed because that's when people All actually right. have you're the You're saying the more bills. than 15 euro. Just, just, just briefly because I just want to move on. 15 the euro a week, but start the increases from October and a double payment. So okay. that amounts All to right. the equivalent of 20 euro a week. Jenna, so just read the, full, read the full plan. OK, Jen, just to bring you in here on, I suppose, the big announcement, the top line um, announcement that was made today, as John stated, uh, Nora Foley getting out of the traps early with the primary school uh, free book scheme. Um, something Barnardo's has mm. called for consistently since 2005, I think mm. Suzanne was saying. What do you make of it? I presume it's something that's hugely welcomed by, by parents up and down the country. Hugely welcomed by parents. I mean, it's not before time, as, uh, as Sam mentioned earlier, but I think there is still frustration that nothing seems to have been done for the secondary school parents, particularly because this evening the Taoiseach was talking about how this was a budget that, that he wanted uh, everybody to benefit from, from primary right up to mm. third level. And yet we seem to have forgotten about the secondary level students in there. And the cost for secondary level students is huge. Um, I mean, the, if you've got a, somebody who's going to an iPad school, iPads and books and you're generally expected to get both. You're getting up towards a thousand euros. Yeah, I heard that today actually. If you are in an iPad school, yeah. not to deviate too much from this conversation, you actually have to buy all books, books as, well, as well so you can download the books yeah. through a barcode use the or whatever. E use the code which cannot be so used it's, again. It's very costly. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one, John, and it's a lot being made of because we know we have this announcement as well around college registration fees being cut. So an announcement there that will, will help um, third level something that will help primary school kids, but wedged in the middle is that expensive cohort that is teenagers and getting them through education. Um, we are still speaking in a, in, a, in a vacuum, and I find it fascinating that a, a Fine Gael TD will be um, discussing certainty in tomorrow's budget. We do not know it yet. Um, the Taoiseach this evening, it was interesting on Twitter, um, gave a statement, and he did say in that statement, which was a loose Loose parameters, I felt, for tomorrow's budget that primary, secondary and third level students would be looked after in this budget, to paraphrase him. So maybe there is something we're not aware of. Simon Harris, <coughs> again, his department has had an eye-catching um, benefit to uh, students when it comes to stu um, uh, student fees. Uh, I interviewed him yesterday at a, um, at a music festival, um, night and day, and he did say then that the student fee, so we're not associating him directly with some of the stories this evening, but he did say yesterday that of all the austerity cuts that had been made, they were, most of them were, were reinstated, bar the one, lower student one thing fees. To note so about this seems to be something we're getting. This again is a once-off measure, isn't it, um, around the student as fees? As far as I believe... With changes to follow on a smaller scale, I think, depending uh, on, on parent salary... As far as I was year. briefed this evening, that there is a, a, a thousand euros in total um, to be given back to certain people on, on, on I think, if your combined household income is 63,000 and then uh, lesser cuts up to 100,000. 
I, I could be sound corrected on that. But next year there are you know those sort of incomes. There will be five hundred euros a year, yeah, a year yeah. from next year. But anyone earning, I suppose, you know, over a hundred thousand per household. So if you have two full time workers, there, there won't be any. It's not a universal. Um, college registration fee cut from next I, year, I, although there may be I something. I think there are there cuts for people on, on, on higher than 100,000. Again, the, the, this is what mm. we were briefed this evening. Okay. But there are there are cuts in in student fees that weren't existent okay. last year. I want to just move on to a big area which the government has promised to target, and that's around childcare routine. Um, we are hearing that they're to come down, costs are to come down by 25%. Now, the SOC mm. Dems, you, you were looking yourselves for childcare fees to be cut by 30%. Not a huge amount of difference there. No, not um, a huge amount of difference. Do you think what the government is offering is yeah. good and that people should be happy with that? Yeah, I mean, we're starting from a very low base, obviously, and this year the, the minister dealt with the issue of pay, which is a very important one for staff working in the area because it was very hard to hold on to, to, to staff. Um, you know, they're talking about 25% uh, reduction uh, next year and another 25%. So it's two years' time. We would very much like to see the whole question of fees being reduced over a three-year period. Um, and I think that's very doable. Um, we pay very high fees and we invest very little in early year services compared to the rest of Europe. We really, to bring us up to the European average, we should be more than doubling our investment in early year services. So we're starting from a very low base. It is welcome, but I think we could go further and go quicker. Okay. Um on this, I suppose a lot of people would say, look, we have childcare and, you know, we're trying, mm. but what we don't have, we couldn't get a creche place, so we have alternative childcare measures in yeah. place. So you may send your kids to a mind or someone may come into your home. Maybe family help is involved there. There's nothing likely to be in place for, for those people, yeah, um, nothing, Jen, from what we're hearing anyway. From what we're hearing, there's nothing indicated. And that's what parents are saying to me today. There's kind of a degree of frustration that it, it seems to be if, you're, if your children are in a, ch a crash or perhaps if they're with a, a registered childminder. And an awful lot, a huge proportion of parents don't use registered childminders. They have much more informal arrangements. That doesn't mean that they're not feeling the pressure or the cost of paying somebody to mind their children. And sometimes that's due to lack of places because we, we know there's a huge shortage around places, particularly for younger children and those in after-school childcare, they're, the, they're particular challenges for parents at the moment. Sometimes it's because of that, sometimes because it's uh, to do with work flexibility, particularly, again, people in lower-paid jobs that might... Yeah, because in many places work. you hear, if you want to get a, your child uh, a creche place, it needs to be full-time, yeah. five days mm -hmm. a week, and that doesn't fall into all family working it arrangements. Doesn't, it doesn't, so, and, and it doesn't and allow for weekends. And it's not necessary, and it doesn't allow for that. Things like that. So they have to look at these alternative work. options, but again, it doesn't mean it's necessarily more affordable, and they're worried they won't benefit from it. Yeah. It's, it's something to note there, Suzanne. I mean, what would Bernardo's think about childcare measures that we're, 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 we're being told will be announced tomorrow to the June of, I think, on average, of €170 Euro discount per childcare place for a parent? Well, it's to be welcomed. However, as um, Roshi was saying, there needs to be more investment in early years because we know that the investment in early years makes a big difference to children because it's a crucial time in their development. Absolutely. And obviously, parents don't need to be under pressure in terms of costs. Because we know from a recent survey we did that a staggering 64% of parents were really worried. And this was a representative sample. So, so we know that, that families in general need a lot of support. So, that, so we would, in Bernardo's, really, I suppose, support probably a public system where of, of fully funded early years. I mean, that's what, that would be our dream, if you would like. That be, uh, would that be an ideology? Would that be something that would be shared or desire shared by, say, Fine Gael? 
um, in government that you'd say free childcare for all. Like we heard a lot from the opposition benches. We know when it comes to world rankings, OECD reports, we are bottom of the pile when it comes to childcare provision in this country. Well, Fine Gael have done a lot of work in this area and we actually have through our You've policy been years lab. in government, people yeah. would say, 2011, like there's been no political appetite, there's been nothing done. And I think you can see a change in that now and that's because um, we are investing so heavily in childcare and also we're Or is we're it because investing... people are banging down the door uh, saying and, we can't afford so. this and it's more than a mortgage a month so. for and people? And that's it, it is. You've summed it up right. there. For some people it is a mortgage, but that's, sure. why we're, that's why we're investing this to bring down the cost of it and we're also making it more attractive for people to become childcare workers and easy important element of childcare is uh, parental leave and this government promised in the programme for government that parents would have paid parental leave for the first 12 months of a child's life. We're a long way off that and we're certainly calling for increases in, in paternity leave and parental leave. And, you know, we should have got to the point now where it's possible for one or other parent mm -hmm. to stay at home to look after a child in that first important year. I, I agree with you on that and a lot of that is, is government policy and exactly what it's, we're doing. It's government it, policy on paper, but it's not actually no, happening seen, fast enough. No, you've seen a lot of changes in terms of parents' leave. In well, terms I, I of hope there'll be more in that regard tomorrow. OK. Uh, we'll have to leave that conversation there. But my thanks to Jen Hogan. The rest of my panel is staying with me. Coming up next, a house price slowdown. Uh, and what's in the budget for renters? Stay with us. Welcome back. Eurosceptic far-right populists have swept to victory in Italy's general election with right-wing leader Georgia Maloney to become the country's first female prime minister. Italy's new leader-in-waiting is promising to try and unite the country and restore what she calls Italian pride. Georgia Maloney will lead Italy's first far-right government since Benito Mussolini's fascist dictatorship during World War II. Well, earlier I spoke to EU correspondent Alex Cadier in Brussels about reaction there. Well, the EU reaction so far today has been muted. As you'd expect, Brussels is very keen on process, on procedure, on things being done in a certain way. And they're very much not giving a, an official response until the election has been officially declared. So nothing from the European Commission president or the Parliament president or the Council president. But there has been some reaction, as you'd expect, from Belgian parliamentarians and also heads of state across Europe. The Prime Minister of Spain, for example, saying that populism always ends in catastrophe. So that's quite a ringing endorsement from the Prime Minister of Spain to the Maloney government. It's slightly unsurprising that there is some skepticism, uh, at least not officially yet, but there is some skepticism in Brussels about the Maloney government. It is the first time one of the six founding member states is led by a Eurosceptic government. That's quite a big shift for the politics of the European Union. There's also the fear of a coalition between Italy's new prime minister, uh, Georgia Maloney, and Viktor Orban of Hungary, and the Polish government as well. They will be quite aligned in their Euroscepticism and their desire to see a, a smaller, more streamlined, less powerful European Union, more as an economic partnership and as an, uh, an alliance of nations rather than a supranational government as they perceive it to have uh, become. Now, the flip side of that, and the fact is that although they may be aligned on certain things like tax and the role of the European Union, there is a huge dividing line 
between Hungary uh, and Poland, specifically on Ukraine. And there's a bit of ambiguity on, uh, on Georgia Maloney's position there as well, especially with her coalition partners have been quite warm when it comes to Vladimir Putin and the Kremlin line uh, of, of late. Now, she's clearly now made her support for Ukraine very clear, but it does mean that this coalition within the EU will have some difficulties uh, still to come. But as I said, a certain degree of skepticism uh, in the... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. face of the emergent Maloney government. Let me just give you a quote from Georgia Maloney a few weeks ago speaking at the far-right Vox party in Spain, uh, which I think summarizes quite well. Yes to the natural family, no to the LGBT lobby, uh, yes to sexual identity, no to gender ideology, and then it finishes with uh, no to the Euro bureaucrats of Brussels. So quite a tense relationship between Italy and Brussels to come. And a bad day for the sterling, Alex, plunging on the money markets. What's been the reaction to that? Yeah, terrible day for sterling. Uh, the lowest sterling it has got against the dollar in history. And also quite a bad day for British politics and British fi fiscal policy. And a bad day for Kwasi Kwarteng, the Chancellor. And a bad day for Liz Truss, the Prime Minister. Uh, sterling crashing through the floor, as we know. It's been doing that since the uh, mini-budget was announced. But there's also a question about uh, a collision course between the Bank of England and the Downing Street government and Liz Truss's is, uh, economic policies as well. Bank of England saying today that they won't hesitate to raise interest rates again. They've only recently gone from 1.75% to 2.25%, and they're going to raise them again. Some analysts saying as far as doubling them by next year. Realistically, on the ground, it's a bad day for sterling, of course, but that also means quite a bad day for anybody who's hoping to buy a house. You're looking at uh, uh, Virgin Money and Skipton Building Societies saying that they will not be issuing any no new mortgage offers. And Halifax, which is the UK's largest uh, mortgage lender, saying it's temporary withdrawing any mortgage products that have a fee. So they're kind of bigger mortgage products on their uh, offering. So it's quite a bad day, certainly for the economy. And there's also some political rumblings. You have conservative backbenchers saying that Liz Truss is already finished. Uh, that would be quite a, a time at the, at the helm of Downing Street to have 
uh, gone through a, a transition between monarchs and then very quickly facing no confidence vote. We're not nearly there yet, but it's certainly a difficult time for Liz Truss, with one saying that the fiscal policy and the monetary policy at, are at odds. So the Bank of England and the uh, Treasury are at odds, which means at some point someone's going to have to blink or otherwise something is going to have to give. Okay, Alex Caddio in Brussels for us tonight. Thank you for that. Well, back home, house prices in the third quarter of this year were largely unchanged across the country, according to the latest DAF.ie report. New data from the property website shows between June and September, average listed prices rose by just 0.1% compared to the previous three months. The data suggests the pace of inflation in the property market is stabilising as more properties become available for sale. Well, Emer Higgins, Roisin Shortall, John Lee and Suzanne Connolly are still here with me. And I'm also joined now by editor of the Anglo-Celt newspaper, Linda O'Reilly. Um, you're very welcome along to the programme. Let's talk about that news from Daft.ie. House prices um, stabilising. Emer Higgins, what do you put this down to? Yeah, well, I think housing is finally moving in the right direction. Um, it's going too slow. All of us appreciate that, but, but it finally is. Um, last year, there were 25,000 homes completed just in the last 12 months um, in sites right around the country. We can see it. We can see cranes up. We can see boots on the ground uh, delivering homes, 26,000 homes this year. And there's been 44,000 planning permissions approved as well for homes coming down the tracks. So the number of houses being built is up. The number of construction completions is up. Planning permissions is up. Home Home purchases are up, first-time buyer um, mortgage drawdowns are up, uh, and that's what we need to see. And I think oh. today's DAF report mm. kind of shows the impact of that, the fact that there's been a, a, an increase in available properties of 22% and finally a stabilisation, or, or at least it looks like there will be a stabilisation mm. of house prices. That's good because it shows mm. that increasing supply is going to is going to actually meet demand that's going to reduce okay, the cost Emma, to renters think, and buyers. Do you buyers. think there may be an issue around affordability? Absolutely. That the reason that we're seeing this stabilisation of the market is that people simply can't afford the homes that are on the market. Well, there's, there is an issue with affordability. We know that. That's why the government has an affordable housing strategy. That's why we're investing in affordable homes. Just over the summer, we lost, launched the first home new mortgage scheme, which over 5,000 people have already applied for. We have cost rental finally in place, which is reduced rents for people because we know both renters and people looking to buy have affordability issues. And yeah. we've four That's billion it a year. I think people would no, say, they, really. they do. And we're I, investing to, to relieve that pressure. What, what do you think of that the government is, is finally delivering on housing and that's why we're seeing this stabilisation of the market coming about now. Uh, do you buy it? Not at all. There's no evidence of the government delivering on affordable housing at all. Um, look, it, it, you know, prices aren't going down. The issue of affordability isn't being addressed. The rate of increase is slowing somewhat. That's all. The rate of increase is slowing. This government has never taken on the challenge of providing affordable housing. And that's the most important job that any government can do is provide an adequate supply of affordable housing. People with very decent salaries, two-income households, cannot afford to buy a regular house. In the Dublin area, house prices are out of reach unless you have an income of something in the region of 120,000 euro. I think they're averaging euro. now at 427,000 euro in yeah. Dublin. But, you know, a lot of people who simply cannot afford high prices for houses, you know, the second option then is very often an apartment. But there are virtually no apartments for sale in the Dublin area because the government has, mm. you know, 
handed over the market to the private sector. Now, you know, what they need to do and, and you know, the so-called housing for all strategy is, is failing dismally. What we're, we see now with the, the first six months figures is that just over 200 affordable uh, bill to rent apartments uh, or homes are available. Just over, I think it's 230 that's available. I mean, that is a dismal failure by any standard. And in terms of affordable houses, there are small projects that are being offered. We need widespread affordable housing to be made available. And the government needs to get serious that's about this. That's what the LDA it's the is biggest, going to achieve. Oh, the LDA was set up a number of years ago that hasn't produced a single house at this stage. But it has applied like, for planning people, permission to do it. There, oh, there, are, there are the it's, steps. It's all, it's all that's talk. exactly what it's... it's that's all not talk. fair, Ocean. You are not that's making a difference to people. The, in terms the statistics of making different. housing affordable. It, okay. that's, can I, that's can I talk about the, 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 the national, the national picture here as well? Linda, um, editor of the Anglo-Celt, Cavan based. We are looking actually, well, I noted from these, the, the house price uh, report today that while you know they're stabilising in Dublin, there's actually been slight rises outside of Dublin and other cities. What's the picture in somewhere like Cavan in terms of housing provision and affordability for people in the region? Well, Cavan is a small rural county, as you know, and there's a very real supply issue when it comes to housing in the county. I would say outside of cost of living pressures, it's the single biggest issue facing the county at the moment. Um, there were, I think, something like 12 properties to rent in County Cavan and Daft, or Daft.ie today. And that report that's just been released, I think there's a 7 to 8% increase year on year. But in, in counties like Calvin, it's more like 11%. And absolutely, people are struggling to get on the property ladder. And rent, rent has just gone crazy. In terms of apartments were mentioned, for example, there is one investment fund that owns three apartment blocks in Calvin Town. And residents are being served with notices of rent increases, in some cases of over 50%. Some of these tenants are on schemes like HAP and they would have to absorb so all of that. not a rent pressure zone there, is that No, is that and absolutely, right? they need to be looked at, and also the, the criteria and eligibility for schemes like the rent-to-buy scheme yeah. also need to be looked at so people can have a chance, because there's people in that squeezed middle, they, they don't qualify for schemes like HAP, and they cannot afford to get a mortgage. And you mentioned that um, the supply issue was stabilising. I do think that cost of living pressures have a lot to do mm -hmm. with that, as well as increasing mortgage rates. Yeah, um... John, I mean, look, it's a huge issue um, with cost of living and then the housing crisis, which really, you know, isn't just, a, isn't just a problem this year, as we well know. What is contained in the budget to help people? Specifically, they're looking, aren't they, at um, rental reliefs in this budget? They've been a bit quiet in housing in, in, in recent days, but I suppose last year we had what, which was pretty much the housing budget, you know, we, that came in the wake of housing for all. Um, there are, there, there is talk in government this evening of, two, of tax breaks for renters, uh, 500 euros this year and 500 euros next year, but a tax credit essentially, you get it back. Um, that, is, that is the totality of the conversation this evening. Which is actually less housing. than what was offered to people in, in, in tax relief uh, when, when it was introduced. I think they did away with it uh, post-bust, but there was always that sort of tax credit for people renting. Yeah, um, little, something like a little a, more, more than, than a thousand euro. So this is, this is less than that. And a little more than they had flagged in recent days. You know, we have, uh, we had the greatest property crash in the history of the Western world. We still haven't recovered. Mm. It's a uniquely dysfunctional market we have. You know, housing prices have, 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 
diminished in the in, in the scale of increase, but they're, they're still 7.7% higher than third quarter last year. And the average price of a house, house in Ireland, taking in the totality of the country, is 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 three hundred eleven thousand, which is which is not a sustainable um, uh, level. Housing is going to be the, the 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 arc for which you can improve housing before the general election is not there for this government, and it's going to be the big problem for them. It's going to see Roisin's party make make gains and Sinn Fein make gains on housing. Uh, it'll be difficult for them to get. As, as many houses as they've said they will build by the next election because they've already downgraded their 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 targets already. So you know it's going it's it's going to continue to damage this government housing. Let's talk about there. There is that bit of rental relief, five hundred euro uh, for people renting for people using your services, uh, Suzanne. What will that mean? Anything is that like a drop in the ocean? Drop in the terms ocean of is right, and and what they have to pay to keep a roof over their heads. Exactly, and the challenge. I mean, we work with families living in in extended family situations, the massive stress that that places on them is in terms of their own parenting, in terms of, in terms of family relationships, in terms now of when anxiety. when you say extended family, you're, you're talking about more than fa one family yeah, yeah. under one roof exactly. simply because, you know, children yeah. and their children can't afford exactly, to get anywhere. Exactly, And also another situation where, where a mum was talking about a damp, a leak in, in, in her house, which she, was, which she was renting. The landlord's not doing anything about that. She's afraid to say anything in case she'll be evicted. And even landlords who are trying to, to be helpful and giving people notice, they're, people are terrified because, because where will they go? You know, so what the government needs to do is build more social housing. We've got situations where couples who have separated are having to live, still stay together. The stress that places on them and their children. So you've heard from Emer now on, 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 you know, that this, all of this takes time, but they're getting there and we're beginning to see a change around that. Um, what, what do you make of that? Because we hear that consistently from government that we have a plan and we're sticking by that plan. Um, but you're saying that the social housing provision simply isn't coming on. There is, it isn't happening quickly enough. It isn't. I mean, the families that we work with, that really wouldn't be something that would ring true for them at all because they're... They're, they're suffering at the moment. And we're not the only ones talking about that. There's plenty of organisations who deliver housing talking about that. Like, Emer, does that... Uh, uh, like, what do you think of when you hear that? Like, it is not just in the, uh, in, in the doll on the opposition mm. benches that this criticism is coming from. It's people on the ground working with families who are to the pin of their collar, desperate for a, a, a house, over, a roof over their heads, desperate for a home for their families living in awful conditions with multiple families grouped together. We don't know re the real extent of homelessness in this country and that those, those social houses that are so badly needed aren't being built quickly enough. They aren't being built quickly enough, you're right. Uh, and these are the issues on the ground. They're my community too. You know, I, I see it on, on my doorsteps too. So I suppose the but question what, is, what we what's being do, done about it? What we're doing is we are building them. As I said, it's, it's not happening as quick as people would like it to happen. I appreciate that. But unfortunately, that's the system. It does take time. We have the money now. Housing for All is a multi-billion euro, multi-annual plan. So it's not about this year. It's not about next year. This is about 2030, getting us to 2030, delivering more and more more houses every single year until we get to 300,000 new homes in the next number of years. And that's what we have to do. The targets are there, the plan is there, the money is there. It's not for want of political will, it's not for want of, of investment. It, it's just making it happen and that is what the government is committed to doing.
Fine Gael have been in government for 11 years and they've utterly failed in relation to providing adequate numbers of houses and then also affordable housing. And that has a massive impact on people's lives. You know, from the youngest to the oldest, it impacts everybody. And, you know, all of the, the issues that Suzanne raised there in terms of families, uh, the pressure on families, the pressure on, on couples, uh, people delaying having a family because they don't have a home. And a lot of people are saying, what about single people as well in this sure, budget and how sure. they're and impacted? In, increasingly, yeah, just to, unfortunately, just younger people now again talking seriously about emigrating. You know, there are solutions to this, but the government have failed to do that utterly. And, and it's particularly in relation to the affordability question. And, you know, we know that houses can be built at an affordable price, but you cannot okay. hand over responsibility for, for house building to the private sector. And that's exactly what this government has no, done. And we, ha we have institutional investors who are okay. building high-rise apartments at high-rise prices, which are not available to the regular okay. uh, households. And the other thing then, of course, is the government is letting them off almost scot-free right. in relation to taxation. I mean, you have just we, abdicated we all responsibility okay, in relation this to this. conversation will continue. We're not likely to hear anything um, around this most likely in the budget tomorrow, but maybe something uh, for renters out there. But my thanks to Roisin and to Suzanne. Emer, John and Linda are staying on with me. Coming up next, would a budget VAT cut encourage you to buy more newspapers? Stay with us. Patricia said the government is looking at abolishing VAT on newspapers in tomorrow's budget. Micheál Martin says he's positively disposed to cutting Ireland's 9% VAT rate. While Emer Higgins, John Lee and Linda O'Reilly are still here with me to discuss this. Um, first of all, on this push, because it's a campaign, a United campaign, I think, by newspapers across the board. Um, John, tell us about the 9%, because we're a bit of an outlier, aren't we, in terms of the, the VAT rate that we charge here in newspapers compared to other countries? We are, and we've been, um, uh, our news brands, our representative organisation has been lobbying the government here, and we've also been lobbying in Brussels. Um, we're simply uh, asking that a a tax provision be made and that's it. We're not looking for handouts or anything like that. There are, um, there's a vital requirement for the free press to be healthy in, in, in a jurisdiction. And there are challenges facing our industry that uh, wouldn't be quite apparent to everyone. Yes, newspaper sales are, are, are falling and have been for um, over a decade. But we are, our companies, my company, has um, put a lot of effort and resources into creating a hybrid model where a, a lot of our content goes online. We've mail online, uh, international products, yeah. but we also have extra.ie and evoke.ie, I'm going to make a point. But a lot of the revenue that goes in, the, 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 when somebody clicks on a, on a product online, the 80% of the revenue that comes from that goes to super digital companies that are sometimes availing of tax havens in this country, along with everything else. So the money does not go to media companies. It is going to these huge multinationals who have no involvement in the creation of that content. So the, the spread to online isn't as beneficial to us as, as, as it would appear on the, at the outset. And since the cost of living 
and cost of running businesses has increased in recent months and years, that has hit the costs of, of producing a newspaper significantly, up to 50% in some cases. Uh, just to be clear on this, if there is any sort of VAT cut or it's down to zero, which is what newspapers are campaigning for, that won't be passed on to the customer. They won't be getting a cheaper paper, Linda, but it's in order to reinvest, is it, into other technologies like your, your, your digital offering. Well, I can only speak for the Anglo-Celt and our own uh, media group, obviously. But my understanding is that the local Ireland titles, so that would be 42 paid for regional newspapers and regional newspapers in the country. They wouldn't be passing that back to the consumer. We would need that money effectively to meet a lot of these additional costs. But also to, the main focus is retaining our journalistic resources our, our bodies on the ground, our journalists, that we have the same resources to invest in independent journalism and also that we would have some revenue to invest in digital technologies and upskilling and training journalists to be multimedia journalists and mobile journalists. Because I suppose from your point of view in a regional paper, if the Anglo-Celt doesn't exist, where is the voice on the ground? Who's going to the council meetings? Who are, who are the ears? Who are the eyes? There's going to be that gap if you don't exist. That's it, exactly. I mean, we, we cover all sorts of stories, news and sports in our, our newspaper and online. And we do, we go to all of the courts, all of the council meetings, local authority meetings, everything like that. And if the newspaper ceases to exist, there is no trained and qualified journalists there on the ground that are cutting to the core of these important issues, analysing them, holding politicians and, and people to account, scrutinising where taxpayers' money is being spent, um, are people getting value for money? And we are newspapers and news publishers in print and online, and we are a source that people can trust. Yeah, Emer, people would have been struck, I suppose, and I think it just emerged in, in the last couple of weeks, and actually people will have seen it. In some places, you simply can't get a newspaper anymore, and some news agents, um, they're gone from the shelves now because it's just seen as too, too costly. They're not selling enough. Um, it doesn't look good for the industry does it, unless there's more state support there to, uh, to keep newspapers going. And I think there will be, and I think that that's right, um, because uh, like you, you've articulated it so well. It's, Are you saying this is potentially a it's first a service. step, something yeah, like well, the, the, the VAT cut that they're making so many, more required? What so many regional newspapers provide is, is a genuine community service for people. Um, I, I, know, I know myself in my area, of the Echo, of the Gazette, of News Group, um, they're providing news from our council chambers, from our local, local community, and that's so important, but I think what's, what's just as important is in the era of fake news that we make sure that we are investing in journalism so that it can uphold its integrity because that's just so important for, for us as a democratic society. We need to make journalism an attractive career proposition for people and we need to make sure that newspapers are viable. It's as simple as that. Yeah, um, just on that, if you're talking about investing, you're investing in technology, are you looking realistically that the newspaper as we know it will disappear and that we're going to move wholly into an online place, John. Is, is that the reality? I, I would be um, loath to predict exactly what's going to happen. If, if there is, a, as I said, a tax facility provided by the government, I would hope that that money, and I don't run the company, my company, but my, I would presume from my company's track record in supporting independent journalism, uh, uh, campaigning journalism, 
we would invest in journalism. That's paying journalists. That's investing in all those things my colleague here, Linda, has mentioned um, that, that newspapers do. But most importantly, and not to get too highbrow about it, we hold governments to account. Every major scandal in this country that has emerged has emerged through the press and nowhere else. And around the world, a free press in a time, I don't like that phrase, fake news, because it, it doesn't exist in reputable new, new, um, news agencies that I have worked for, and many, I've worked for many of them. Um, it is very important that journalism is, is invested in, and whatever is done with that money, I would hope all companies use that to support independent, um, independent journalism. I am not in favour of state support, direct Well, that was my um, next question. Investment. If you get more state support and you're holding yourself <coughs> up as a, a, an independent uh, newspaper, can you, truly, can you truly do that, Linda? Well, I would, I would say the government does um, support our state broadcaster and that's, well, that's, another, that's another whole day's discussion. And um, they, they, they get significant money from the government. Uh, I'm not in favour. We're a commercial organisation it, it, and we've full free, despite what anyone would say about the Daily Mail and the Mail on mm. Sunday, we've full editorial freedom and I do not support any direct subvention from government to um, media companies. Uh, briefly, briefly, last word to you, Linda, on this. Um, are you hopeful about this VAT cut coming about tomorrow? We've been getting some mixed signals. Um, but I mean, if you were to believe all of the politicians, they're 100% behind us to believe this should happen. So I'll be very surprised if we don't hear some good news in the budget tomorrow. But it needs to happen because the reality is, if it doesn't happen now, there will be job losses uh, in the next year and possibly even newspaper closures. OK, that is it from us. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. You can also now find us on Instagram, tonight VMTV. But from all the late team here and all my panel, good night, take care. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series.